0: Good morning. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. I'm John, and I'm always really excited at this point, but I'm really excited about <laughs> oh, this yeah episode Uh, i've got a good friend of mine here on the podcast uh, who's going to introduce himself we're doing a bottle share and those are always a good time so let's see if a digital bottle share works as well right and i'm harrison
1: and i'm pumped looking at some whales on the table today excited to get in there and taste these things some i've never had some it's been a while since i've had them so it's gonna be a fun day for sure and i'm mike and if you see something you should say something
0: <laughs> as a reminder <laughs> drinking socially is released every other wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com. or wherever you listen to podcasts so we're breaking the format again with this show and uh, again, a really cool idea that was shared with us by some of the Facebook members and Harris and I support entirely. And, and fortunately, mm-hmm. uh, we've got Mike here from Session Beer Market in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, Mike keeps an amazing beer list. Seller um, is probably the better term for it um he's been a friend of mine for a long time um and he brought a pretty impressive beer to share with us for this uh, so we've got three beers on the agenda for today yeah and i'm gonna crack open the first one uh, mike's actually going to explain i asked him to select the order that we were drinking these in um this is usually something that i do every time i have a bottle share is try and pick the best way to go from one beer to the next yep um so mike would you just kind of elaborate really quick um one thanks for being here yeah um but elaborate why we're going in, in in any order at all really sure well it looks like we've got a double
2: ipa a barrel aged sour and a bourbon barrel aged imperial stout and i felt like <laughs> we should start with a double ipa because they tend to have more delicate flavors sure that can get kind of muddied up if we get into like the stout first and right sure things of that nature and the sour in the middle i like because it kind of I don't know. I feel like it's a palate cleanser sometimes. Yep. It's acidic. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And why not
1: end on a stout, right? Right. And Classic. this one is a good one too. On. And may, you'll see why. It may end, it may end us all. It may be the end. Aptly named. Um oh man, this is wonderful. I'm pumped. Well, John's pouring the first one, and John.
0: This looks delicious. What are we starting off with today? So this beer comes from two breweries I've never had the pleasure of tasting, Mm -hmm. so I'm really excited about this. Um, It's called No Time Like the Present. Indeed, This is a uh, double IPA, aren't they all nowadays? (laughs) Um, Comes in at 7.6%. It's made by Voodoo Brewing in collaboration with Equilibrium Brewery. Um, so uh, two really amazing breweries that we don't often see down here in North Carolina. Voodoo's out of Meadville, Pennsylvania, and yep. Equilibrium, uh, pretty widely celebrated. They're out of Middletown, New York, or Middleton if you're from there. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, no time like the present is a double IPA dry hopped at over five pounds per barrel with Nelson Savan and Galaxy look hops, out. and this. Uh, just pouring it into the uh, the glassware here is, smells really good. What do you say, guys? Right, let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. Let's dive into Cheers. this. Cheers. Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Oh, that's green or dank. <sighs> yeah, it is. Super green. You're right. It's tons of vegetation. Five pounds per barrel of uh, hops. They'll do that to you. Those Nelson Salvin hops just punch you right in the face. I wish we
2: saw Nelson as much as we used to. Right,
1: yeah, you see less and less of it, you think? I
2: feel like. I mean, you used to have the um, with the green flashes of the world doing like the Nelson duet and things like that. Maybe it's my memory failing me, but it seems like it used to be a more prevalent
1: hop. <laughs> it, every, everything right. was better
0: back in the day. <laughs> right.
1: Well, that's a good point. Yeah, this was like the hop of, I don't know, what, like 2017 or 2018? Right? It was like Galaxy and Nelson. 7 You're right, I, and I get excited every time I see it because it's so fruit punchy and pungent and knocks you in the face and super high alpha acids and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a great looking beer. Ooh. And it smells, you're right. It smells like, I don't know, like boozy fruity pebbles. Excellent.
0: Yeah, it's got a lot more uh, I, I'm thankful it brings a lot more bitterness than some of the really right. fruity haze mm-hmm. IPAs I've had recently. And honestly I, I feel very lucky to be able to share this. I think anytime you have a bottle share, you wanna kind of bring, you know, the, the best beer you've had or, you know, the most exciting one to share. Mm-hmm. This one actually comes to us from uh, one of Untap's developers, uh, yeah. one of the programmer guys who uh, just so happened to ask if Harrison and I would be uh, excited to take <laughs> uh, this amazing beer. Right. Uh, so thanks for sending it down here. Ed uh, Barton, great share on this one. Yeah. You're, I guess, by proxy uh, participating in this in bottle spirit, share. Sure. Yeah, uh, yep. Um, and and <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ed, for the share. This beer is amazing. Mike is blessed to be the uh, purveyor uh, for Session Beer Market, and like I said, they've got an incredible. I don't. If I had to guess, you probably have close to seven hundred beers in your inventory on any given day. I could be wrong, but it seems like it's endless. And I wonder is sometimes um, is tasting beer like that all the time, is that still exciting for you? Is, is tasting this particular IPA, is it still kind of exciting for you to try a beer you haven't had before? Absolutely. And like you said,
2: I haven't had anything from either Voodoo or Equilibrium, so this is quite a treat. Right. Um, but you're right. There's just so much out there these days that you wonder if, I mean, first off, Who has the time to try everything? I can say that if, let's say, your guesstimate of 700 items in there, I haven't had half of them. Right. So, uh, right. I mean, what do you do these days? Right. There's so much out there in a good way. I mean, the the choices have evolved and it just makes it, I I guess, it makes a lot of things get lost in the
1: weeds, which is unfortunate. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Right. There's, they were kind of, right. We're all, uh, you know, suffering from their gifted or blessed or whatever by the, the, um, the opportunity to have as many friggin' beers as you want these days. There's so many options, local, non-regional collaborations, which I feel like have just gotten more and more prevalent as well. Where you're trying a beer one time, and then it's never existing again from two really breweries that may never brew again, um, like this one, which is pretty cool. But yeah, a lot out there. I know. How do, you do how do you drink it all? How do you have
0: the time? I I love you for bringing that up, Harrison. I've got a couple of questions, um, kind of standard questions that I'd hope to be able to ask Mike. And, of course, we've got a user submission that I'll be asking him as well. But um, your intro, before we get to uh, proper interview questions, just to to note, uh, this beer's checked in 1,049 times as we're drinking it here Mm -hmm. and carries a 4.1% uh, overall ratings, so bravo to Equilibrium and Voodoo for making a beer that everybody likes mm-hmm. so much. For questions, Mike, one that I'm really excited to ask you about. So, beers, you've checked into, I believe you're just over 4,000 uniques. Um, that's pretty, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. I, I have a problem. Uh, <laughs> it's a good worker, hard worker. That's what it we, is. There hasn't been an untapped support <laughs> group created yet. No, I do my we. wife would probably help create <laughs> that. Um, the question I want to ask everybody that we ever talked to either what beer have you checked in the most or your highest rated, but honestly, you know, when I ask you, Mike, what's the, you, what's the, the coolest or your favorite beer that you've had recently? Does anything come to mind? So in the past
2: couple months, I would say sometime this summer, I got to visit burials, uh, tap room in Raleigh. And they have been really good about, even in the summer, putting out some small-batch stouts with lots of crazy adjuncts. And if you know anything about me, I like that. <laughs> uh, they did one. Down The stouts or the adjuncts. Yes. yeah, <laughs> Just exactly. yes. All of it. More of it. They did one called, and I'm probably going to mess this up, I'm actually feeling like all is right with the world and none of
0: this matters. Mm. I think I had that one. They did a... Uh a variant at their Raleigh tap room and a different one at their Asheville tap room. If I remember right. That sounds right. I I believe you. Mm -hmm. It's all relative. (laughs) Um, are you talking about specifically the one with cinnamon or the one with coffee? Yeah. This one had
2: pecans, Vietnamese cinnamon, maple syrup and vanilla. And it just, it sounds like it would be a sweet mess. It was 15%, but you would (sighs) never ever know. Right. That's just a treat.
0: Really smooth right out of the bottle did what was it already
2: aged, or I'm not too sure to be honest i right. I got to have it on tap, which was an Holy extra God. treat. I oh, mean, wow. they were doing bottles to go, but those go pretty quickly. so off draft i I, I couldn't tell you.
0: That uh that I, I, I haven't looked it up right now, but I wanna say that beer carries a pretty impressive yep. score uh given to it by the untapped community. But as a person that was also fortunate enough to drink that out of a bottle, um the minute you started saying the name of that beer, I remembered the I remember the sip perfectly. That's all I had of it was right, a sip. Right. But it was uh,
1: pretty impressive. That's while we're talking about beer styles, a question that John and I asked of ourselves the first episode we did and answered was, if we were a beer style, what kind would we be? So Mike, I ask you the same question if you had to pick one big old, awesome beer, or what would you what calls to you the most? What's your spirit beer? See, I've thought about this for a long time, and I think that I would
2: probably be a barley wine. Ooh, American or English or? Ooh, uh, probably American. Yeah. But mostly because not a whole lot of people actually enjoy me.
1: Right.
0: But those that do,
2: <laughs> those that do tend to really enjoy me. Right. Yes. Really.
1: I love that. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Exactly., uh, it's a better answer than Harrison's Argyle sweater, uh, English bitter.: <laughs> I
1: just love sweaters.
0: Um And there's a guy that has been fortunate enough to participate in some bottle shares with you, mike i I would have guessed barley wine as well. I'm pretty sure you you i don't you collect exclusively barley wines, I think. You know, sometimes you just got to hit him with three in a row. Right. With the, right. the hand and seal.
1: Boom,
2: boom, that boom. That was outstanding. Ooh,
0: yeah. Uh, I remember that was a, a, a bottle share of Mike's referencing where we did drink Brooklyn's hand and seal. Probably two or three age Bigfoots and nice. uh, other beers that – T- tend to fade into the blackness of my mind. Right. I think you've talked about that
2: chair on the show. That was the one when we did the Dark Lord and the Bud Light Platinum.
0: Oh, uh, wow, what a great night! That chair does blend into memory, <laughs> um, as, it should.
1: as it should. Where it's safest, hidden in the past. Yeah, that's a, that is a style that I I also love, but I I treat it. I like barley wines kind of the way that boxers like getting punched in the face. It's kind of it's part of the job. It's exciting. You kind of but man. You wake up the next day and your head kind of hurts, um, but but I yeah I mean I I kind of I were, I used Bigfoot from Sierra Nevada was is one that I love and every year it comes out I'll take a a night and plan and plan accordingly to enjoy a couple of those by a fire usually hopefully a lot of fire a lot of fire, a lot of fire and we've learned a couple podcasts in a row lots of open flames in my house I don't have a, a fireplace I'm just. <laughs> Finding an open room and Bigfoot's one of those where I've got like a vertical going. I'll set one
2: aside every year, and I I fully know that I have no intention of ever actually drinking it. Right, because that's how verticals work. Right, right. right. Save them, going and going and going. Maybe (laughs)
0: when you get the flu, we do a decade. Yes, six big laid up Big Feet Bigfoots. Yeah. Ooh, that's sure. a fair question. Right. Big feet, one for I the, think, would make sense for, if there's more probably, than one. Probably one for the Bigfoot himself, which we, I guess we'll wait on that answer for a while, but someday. So now that we're talking about barley wines, yeah. it's hard for me to remember some of my favorites, um, and I'm putting both of you on the spot here, do but it. do is there is there a favorite barley wine that comes to mind? Mm, well... Leaving big foot, big feet off the table. That one
1: is one that um, that I always enjoy. In fact, um, Old Bartholomew, which is one that Yards in uh, Philadelphia brews, I think every once in a while, um, I have like a must be 2015 of that that I've been sitting on that I had fresh. It's an English style barley wine, Old Bart or Old Bartholomew. It's just it's just huge, hundred percent Maris Otter malt as I'm looking it up on Untap not to jog my own memory. But it's just yeah, it's a big old barley wine, ten point three percent. And I just remember the first time having it being um it was like um pretty approachable and I didn't have it that year. I didn't have it like super fresh or anything. But yeah, when I enjoyed it, um that's right, they brew it every and only in the odd year is they brew it and have it available in November through January. So odd year being this this year. I guess if you're it, listening to this is twenty nineteen so you have to know up, your odds and evens. Sure, but. which is the first step, which I almost messed up there, but I'm glad I am glad I took a moment. Uh, but yeah, that was a cool one that I remember the first time I drank it being like, oh, this is, it has all the kind of warm, boozy, soft fruit kind of things you want from uh, a barley wine, but it wasn't as hot as I was ready for it to be and was like, oh, this is great, I could drink a lot of this, which is dangerous when you're dealing with a barley wine. But that one, on the spot, John, old Bartholomew, enjoyable.
2: I'd have to say my favorite was probably one called uh, The Obscure, aptly named, because I I think they only did it one time ever, Mm, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, Collaboration between Green Bench and Mm. American Solera, English-style barley wine aged in rum barrels for, I
0: think, 18 months. Wow. Now, this sounds very much like the beer personification of Mike. Yeah. Right. Wow, that sounds awesome. Outstanding. And, of course, I had it
2: fresh. It was either late 2017 or early 2018. I can't recall, but
0: just everything that I want in a barley wine. Mine's going to actually go back to, I think, the first barley wine I remember drinking and mm-hmm. talking about, and it was Stone's Old Guardian. Oh, sure. Which everybody should Yeah, Oh, I remember that mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember drinking it and hating it um, and thinking that it was like almost like over-malted beer tea, mm. and I would have rather had two brown ales to make up the ABV difference. <laughs> but... Um, It's the the same thing kind of happened, you know, when I drank my first sour beer and I didn't quite love that. And now here we are about to crack open an amazing sour before we get there. One question now that we're talking about it, this is a question that Harrison and I ask every person that joins the Facebook group uh, drinking socially. And honestly, it's provoked some of the most amazing answers, Um, funny, nostalgic. Um, And the question is really simple, Mike um, what's your first craft beer memory? Um, whether it be the thing that you got you into the sport or, you know, your first barley wine, do you have like, is there something specific that calls to you when, uh, when we ask you what your first craft beer memory is? So first craft beer memory, to be honest, is probably not even
2: until college. It was usually, you know, mom's Corona's in high school. Hi mom. Um, <laughs> But in college, I found my way to uh, Dogfish Heads Namaste. Yeah. Nice. Back when they still insisted on the uh, 750-milliliter bottles, which I'm thankful that it is not the case anymore. (laughs) But um, like Belgian-style white ale, I think there's coriander, uh, clove, a few of those other typical suspects. And I remember off the bat not enjoying it at all. Just picking it up off the shelf, not really know what I was getting into, but it had a cool packaging. Right, sure. Uh, Nowadays, having revisited it, perfectly fine beer. Yeah. Great, refreshing in the summer, just
0: kind of a palate shock when you're first getting into things. Right, absolutely. I think I read that a lot on the Facebook group as well, Uh, people talking about their first craft or beer memory. Um, is just the amount that they didn't like it, mm-hmm. you know. And this is you're joining a, a, a Facebook group for a beer app specifically focused on craft beer, uh, and, and you're talking about your first. But I don't know if so anybody, unless your first craft beer was a Purple Haze, it probably <laughs> it been. probably rubbed you the wrong way the first time you tasted it. Do you? Um, one question that just kind of prompts for me, Mike. Do you see? You know, it's 2019 in North Carolina, we're a very craft beer friendly state. Do you still see a lot of people coming into your shop that maybe aren't very familiar with craft beer or are looking for advice or, um, you know, that you kind of guide, and maybe introduce them to a, I'm sure, barley wine uh, as, as often as you did maybe <laughs> years ago? Well, we're in the
2: fortunate position being in Wilmington and having a lot of great local breweries that. These days I get a lot less of what do you have that's like Coors Light and a lot more of what do you have that's like Tropical Lightning or what do you have that's like the German-style lager from Edward Teach. Nice. Because they've identified something that's accessible within craft but want to keep expanding their palate and what they know about craft beer as it is today, which I
1: think is really cool. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic.
0: As a guy that remembers Wilmington five or six, seven years ago, you didn't have that local, you know, you might say, what do you have that's like Blue Moon? But right. that's a really good point. We probably make eight of our own Blue Moons right in Wilmington now. Yeah, something like that. That's Yeah, that's everywhere. You see all
1: over the place. And that's most markets now, I feel like, are, uh, have a fair amount of local options and some of them even re- replacing more regional or international stalwarts. All right, cool. What do we have here, John?
0: a big um, one. In fact, this this is actually um, this is the one that you brought in or for did. us uh Harrison and I've had this once before and it was Mike's fault. Uh, uh, good. Um, the 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 guy that first introduced me to Wales I'm pretty sure um so th- this one i'm excited about harrison you've had it before i believe mike you've checked it in a couple of times before yeah um sh- share yeah, with us sure. this amazing beer right so
1: we're doing russian rivers supplication right now which i'm pumped about so that is a brown ale aged in pinot noir wine barrels for at least a year with sour cherries and it has Britannomyces, Lactobacillus, and Petococcus. And it's so like this nice blend of bugs um, that uh, Russian rivers kind of become known for using in uh, some of their wild ales. And yeah, this beer is the first beer that I ever dreamed about. And in the dream, tasted the beer in the dream and was like, what? I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know what what is happening. But that's the kind of... Impact it had on me. Uh, for those super in the know, the uh the bottle on or the batch number of this guy is twelve twelve eighteen. I uh, mean, it was bottled on the twelfth of December, twenty eighteen. So it's almost year old, not quite. But this is one of my favorite beers of all time, and I'm pumped we're having it right now.
0: Ooh, good ooh, share. Yeah. This smells really
1: good. It smells like a woo. Right exactly like a woo yep right, like a woo yeah. like a horse like, <laughs> a, like a yeah like a blanket like a
0: barn this is i would argue this sour is so well put together that it doesn't even matter if you like sours yet or not this would still appeal to you i could be wrong but i usually am it's so good the thing i love about it and
1: we kind of mentioned this when talking about why we chose the beers when we did in terms of order it is acidic most wild ales are the lactobacillus has a lot to do with that But um, it's also – I find this to be a very, like, round beer, if you will. Like, it's not abrasive. You don't get that, like, apple cider vinegar note you can get from some uh, Wild Dales. There's really is, like, acetic acid showing up. That shouldn't be happening if you're tasting too much apple cider vinegar in any of the Wild Dales. But um, this is just – it's so, like, smooth and good while being, like, pow – Kind of a apple juicy thing happening in there. It's I love it. It's great. It's nice and brown and delicious and exciting to me right now that we have it.
0: Were I in charge of naming this beer, it would have been called Funky Fruit. Mm. All right, that's exactly what yeah. I taste in it. the The brown ale it is is darker in color than mm-hmm. most you know like sours right. you are used to seeing, Bianca Gosser, or a Berliner. This uh this is. I don't know how to describe its color. Maybe like a a brown or rose. Um.
1: Sure. Yeah. There's definitely some red hues in there. Remember, it's had a bunch of cherries for a long time, which is going to change its color.
0: The nose on it is just like, gosh, like screaming though. It's like, I mean, it just the closer you get to it, it, there's so much flavor just in the 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 aroma Mm -hmm. of this beer.
1: Yeah. So yeah, seven point seven five ABV, ten IBUs, usually, and that's probably. Pretty close, and I did notice that this. So overall, or on a tab, checked in more than ninety-two thousand times by sixty-five thousand plus different people. Two hundred fifty-four this month. This batch specifically checked in about two hundred sixty-eight times. The last guy that had one, Dean, just a couple of days ago, was drinking it out of like a Nebuchadnezzar, like a huge one of the huge like magnum bottles. This things gigantic. <laughs> Um, and just taking the ball of the face and birthday beers from last night. Dean, you are living, living the high life. My God. But uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty good. But yeah, lots of similar comments. Sour cherry, apple juice kind of filling up the, the feeds here. Um, one of the things I love about Untapped is the ability to do this. You can look at like verticals and batch numbers and year over year comparison to the same beer kind of all uh, in one place. It's pretty cool to, to do that, which we're doing right now.
2: What I enjoy about this beer is I I feel like I get a lot of the barrel itself, mm. and maybe that's because everything is so well balanced. The cherries there, right. but I, I enjoy like that just toasted mm-hmm. earthiness that the barrel yes. provides. Yeah, like a spicy
0: something from the oak. That's I, that I too. I I love drinking beers with Harrison because he'll always point something like that out. And I'm smiling drinking this beer with you, Mike, because the moment you said that, I just had to go back for another sip. Yep. And Find it's it. like right mm. there waiting for mm. me. Man, you're right.
1: And this is, I mean, so the last time I had supplication was probably, I don't know, probably been three years or so now. But I'm, I'm getting more wood in this one than I have in other ones, which is, again, cool The great. Like they're all going to be a little bit different
0: yeah, it's so they put, really- you were saying they put the batch number on this beer to mm-hmm. kind of reference when it came out of the barrel. Right, and exactly. obviously mm-hmm. we're talking about wild ales and it, the difference in barrels, the difference right. in temperature right. cherries that sure, year. Sure. sure um, right. do you do you th- would you I mean, I, I'm kind of alluding to it, but would you imagine there's a, a dramatic difference from maybe this year? To Man. the previous year's supplication there
1: could be. I mean yeah, dramatic I, I'm not tasting anything dramatic, but they're I mean and they're so dialed in there. I bet you they put it in the same place in the <laughs> in the in the cellar every time they, they age it. I bet you they've got the corner picked out that is going to be the warmest or where coldest or whatever they need it to be um at that point i bet you goes to the same exact spot every time and they try to control as much as they can um and it again it shows it looks exactly the same smells exactly the same as i remember it and tastes pretty much exactly the same but there is like an awesome spice that could also be my palate changing through the years as well which is something that's almost impossible to track i know I was talking about russian river vinny was again one of the co-founders when I was talking about lupulin threshold, America's lupulin threshold is changing when referring to like hoppy beer is that so we keep wanting more and more hops and our threshold is growing. Um, which kind of, you know, is, is representing a shift in palates, I guess, or the desire for more of one thing. And with that must come some kind of perceived changes in what you like or don't. Just like we're talking about drinking a beer and not liking it. And then later revisit it and it's good. Um, you know, your palate is always changing. So, um again, whether or not there is more wood or not in here, I'm I am tasting a little bit more today than I have in past, which is great. Again, it's it's just a different thing. But the I just love this beer. I'm gonna
0: dream about it tonight. I can already tell. I hope so. Um the very definition of sweet or maybe sour dreams. Mm. Um man. On, on that note, uh I, I wanna ask Mike, we're talking about loopland threshold. That brings me back to um, I remember the first time I experienced Victory's Dirt Wolf and thinking, mm. like, m- maybe I can start to like IPAs. This is really good, but it's still right. kind of bitter. Right. There's an IBUs worth thing that everybody was obsessing over. <laughs> and here we are now where it's like it, this is a four ounces of beer and eight ounces of hot pellets in your glass. Go nuts. Right? Um, w- is there a point... Where that becomes too much, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, my question, while I have someone that uh, spends their, th- this profession is introducing people to beer, the right beer, the new beer. Uh, Mike, on your end, do you, what trends do you notice people asking for, seeking um, in a world where you've got access to more beer now than you might have ever had? Is there is there a popular favorite or... Uh, Something that maybe you wouldn't have expected a year ago that's really popular now? More often than not, the number
2: one question I'll get when somebody walks in the door is, what's the haziest IPA you have? Really? And immediately I say, well, I've got some whole milk in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But really, I get a lot of questions about hazy IPAs, usually local. Wilmington's great for that. We've got several breweries doing an outstanding job at making things like that. Uh, right behind that, like lighter beers and pilsners, things mm. like that are really popping up nice. lately. Yeah. And I'm glad because it's just a nice, easy, in the fridge, outside beer. Pretty versatile. Can drink more than one of them at a time. Right,
1: sure, right. Which, yeah, yeah. yep. Different gear there. You're in pilsners versus barley wines or stuff. Yep. Yard beers. Is, yard is beers, would they, what you some call them bowl. in my house? Sure, right. Ice cold. Yep, exactly right. I, yeah, man, oh, man. A lot of memories of riding the riding the tractor around the yard, just shooing the kids out of the way, running over soccer balls with a nice old lawnmower beer. It's in my a hand. weird life you have <laughs> <Harris>. <laughs> Go through a lot of soccer balls. I don't know why I can't see them. Gotta <laughs> stop buying green soccer balls. It's why do you keep balls. buying them at
2: all? You're just. Right,
1: right exactly. No one's, clearly, no one's playing with them. They're just getting.
0: They keep the blades <laughs> clean. Just destroying the,
1: the, the, the mower. Uh, all in a day's work. My God. So, kind of, I guess you could say in that same kind of wheelhouse or same world we're in talking about, um, right now, not just, so from, for you, Mike, is there like, is there something in this industry? It doesn't have to be a style of beer. It could just be really whatever you want to talk about that you're curious about right now. There's something kind of getting you excited and things you've heard about or or whatnot that, uh, can you, can
0: you kind of curious about something new? Not to put you on the spot. That's a easy question, Mike. Sure. Super softball. Yeah. Thanks guys. um, (laughs) So I think it's pretty clear when people go
2: out and they're having a few beers with friends or checking out a new tap room or brewery, how they decide what they're going to drink while they're there. Because usually it's spur of the moment, just whatever seems new and fresh and cool. But I'm, I'd am i really like to know how people are deciding these days what beers they want to keep at home right. and have as like their fridge beer or in 2019, mm-hmm. how people are deciding what their go-to is.
1: Right. That's a great question. Wow.
0: Great. That's just being there's so many options. right? Do you, is it go? I mean, I feel like a go-to is something that everybody should have. I would, I would easily just spout and say mine's founders all day, but it's not in my fridge right now. Right, it's right. a hazy little thing and yeah. the remnants of Oktoberfest in right, there. Right. I feel like for me, I'm
1: always auditioning for that next kind of beer of this season. Like I had Sweetwater's, guide beer which is like a four percent lager like adjunct lager early in the summer I was like this is it and drank a fair amount of that over the summer I always have my go-to overall is Sierra Nevada's pale ale Right, that's not in my fridge right now either it's a bunch of goofy IPAs and some Oktoberfest because I'm kind of just hunting for that what am I going to drink now through football season, looking for that beer, I'm kind of always trying new things out. And you're but thinking about it now, saying it out loud, I feel like I've just been doing that forever. Like I'll find some beer for the season and the season ends. And I'm like, oh wait, now I want something darker or lighter or whatever it is. But yeah, it's I definitely it's been and I go in cycles where I'll like buy Sierra pale Paleo, twelve packs and just ride that for a while. And then when I mix it up for like two months then go back to the old pale ale. That's how I do it. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm always kind of looking for that next go to because you're right. There are so many different things all the time.
0: I, I feel like Mike, you just turned that question around on us. Good. And one, bravo, really well played. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, what do you mind if I? So uh, now I'm curious, right? I, I have a hard time. I always view things from my own lens, as I think everybody does, and I try and use the data that I can see it untapped to put that into perspective right we everybody loves hazy ipas right now um you echoed that check-ins kind of present that even in i mean in split croatia the number one trending beer (laughs) style is a new england ipa right um right so beyond that um but what like if i come into session beer market i know that i can pick up a core beer, a year round core beer, whether it be something more local like from uh, Highland or Highwire, where I can get a, a six or a 12 pack of their regular flagship IPA. Um, but you also present me with so many options. And I think just naturally, as a craft beer drinker, maybe, or as a curious person, I'm always more inclined to try something new for that experience. So I think deciding on, I'm just, we're in a beautiful time right now where there's more breweries than maybe ever have been. um, And there's probably more coming. So for a drinker, this is the greatest time in history, I would argue. For a brewery, there's a lot of competition for a bottle shop like yourself, there's a limited amount of shelf space. If I turn it around on you, how do you decide which flagships or core beers that you present to your customers? Well, to be honest, it's a lot of trial
2: and error. I mean, you bring in a lot of things that you think are going to be good staples and they just, they'll move once or twice, but they don't have the pull that you need them to. Mm. Um, you said founders all day. That is definitely a staple. Uh, that Bell's two-hearted. There's just some things that are always going to be classics for good reason. Um, But then it's just what you're saying, too. You keep a rotating beer from the breweries that people are interested in at the time. So I know I keep going back to local, but honestly, that's important. Here it's Wilmington. It's New Anthem they both usually have some kind of rotating IPA, hazy or not, and the key is to have something from them at any one time because then that kind of fulfills both needs of having something constant
0: but still being new every time. So like almost the brewery has become – If you ask, if when my experience when I ask somebody about New Belgium, they don't know them as a brewery, but they do know Fat Tire, tire, yeah, right. It's almost sounds like it's kind of reversing and and focusing more on local, where it's like maybe I don't know that one particular one off from New Anthem, but I do know New Anthem as a Wilmington drinker, so the breweries are becoming Mm -hmm. more of a brand than I don't know than they used to be just from my perspective but exactly so instead of
2: uh do you have fat tire it's become do you have anything from New Belgium because people just put their trust in the right. brewery as a whole right when they turn out consistently good products which right. to be honest
1: most of them are doing these days right yeah very true true yeah but you're right that brand the older thing is interesting and it's on the hyper-local level, very interesting because you're right, you get to know these breweries really well. Like, we know the people who own those breweries, and have seen them, and talked to them, and go to the breweries, and they're very aware of, you know, that they're doing great stuff, and um, yeah, like you said, put your trust in them, knowing that whatever they have that's next, even if you haven't had it yet, or looked at it, or heard about it, you're going to, it's going to be good because it was made by people you know, and there's some accountability there as well when you're like a local brewery, to be like, we have a great following right here in this neighborhood or this town you want to keep you know putting out stuff they enjoy so works both ways but yeah definitely where we are and that's again it's like every market out there is like that every town or collection of small towns or cities they all have that kind of same vibe to them right now which is exciting and what it used to look like you know 100 plus years ago
0: on on that riff, um, Mike, before we get to your um, <laughs> behemoth of a bottle here, um, one thing I just want to kind of transition into because it's a question um, that I think is maybe even for a listener out there that likes craft beer and business, um, what I really want to hear from you is, is a guy that's run, in my opinion, an amazing bottle shop. Anybody that asks me for – Uh, Where can I get this really crazy beer? If you can get it anywhere, you know, if you live close enough, check session, call Mike. He'll tell you if it's even possible to get. Um, And so with that being said, as an expert in your industry, what is there any advice after having built this business, um, you know, that you would give somebody that said, I want to open my own growler station bottle shop. Um, kind of a business that follows your model, um, any advice that you think would be crucial for somebody that's thinking about opening something in, in today's landscape? There are there are two
2: main things that I would probably say to that. And the first one, just as a warning, it's not 100% what you think it is when you're going into it. Just like people think that, oh, you're a veterinarian, you get to pet dogs all day. <laughs> I don't get to drink beer all day. I right. do now because this is great. Right. But like <laughs> a lot of it is sampling and getting to know what to put on the shelf and figuring out what trends work, what brewery is hot this week. But there is more to the curating and just, I don't know, stocking and research aspect to it than even I thought there was going to be. Uh, I thought it'd be a lot more, you know, bartending and this is
1: what beer is fun right now. Yeah, Yeah. heavy on the kind of research and stuff. Yeah, that's a good, good, um, good point. Kind of like, yeah, like we've been talking about what to bring in and when and the work that kind of is involved and you have all these breweries to choose from, how do you find the 10 you're going to get on from this distributor this week and do they even have it and is it in this market yet and all that stuff it gets dense you can get backed up with it yeah i mean there's there's
2: for the consumer it's great there's so much out there but for me it's like there's so much out there right you know right where do you start,
0: do you, start? <laughs> you had some last time i was in your shop i'm probably wrong on the chronologicalness of this but there was some beer from lost abbey that is a brewery that's never produced a beer that i didn't love drinking out of a bottle here in the east coast and it was – I remember thinking, like, holy cow, I just walked past a Lost Abbey beer because I'm, I'm looking for something else. Like, it, how how crazy good of a time is it to be a drinker where you can walk past somebody that's produced nothing but amazing beer? right? Um, but you're still hunting for I – I think I was looking for specifically a sour that day, but – how much like I I know your shop's open and you work greater than a forty hour work week there at the shop, but outside of that, like how much time are you spending you know, reading about an industry rag or a beer magazine, do you read through those or research, like go on Untapped and look for beer trends or talk to the brewers that are selling you kegs? And like, how how much of that time would you say you spend during the course of a week just trying to figure out what's going to be the best-selling pumpkin beer this season?
2: Can we cut the tape here? No, I'm kidding. Um, So I figure on average, I probably spend about 80 hours a week these days, both either behind the bar or figuring out trends, answering emails, doing research, things like that. Um, Essentially, I've learned to treat it like a nine to five, except my five is more like 10. So <laughs> starting at nine, answering emails, doing research, figuring out like how many pumpkin beers did I sell last year? Where are my trends looking like this year? How many pumpkin beers do I think I should sell this year? How warm has it been this year? How warm has it been this year? <laughs> it's still warm. <laughs> it's absurd. The anyway. answer to that is is yes, it's, it's been absurd. But it's fun because things like that do affect it. And you've got right. to consider every single thing. Like the rain forecast. It's right. There's a lot that goes into huh. it. I think I answered your question. Yeah.
0: That's you good. You you presented me with the the very truth that being a veteran veterinarian is not just petting puppies and Sometimes it is. Being Mike at Session Beer Market isn't just, hey, here's a thick stout you've never heard of before. <laughs> have that, have a great day. Like, I'm having a great day. I'm going like, home and going to bed. Right? I um <laughs> yes, I, I sometimes forget that you're sometimes the buffer that may keep me from drinking that. Failed experiment of a breaded IPA that should have never been on the shelf, or that two-year old IPA that you could have got at a discount because it's a really old keg. Um, like I, I guess uh, for those of us that do drink beer, uh, that are fortunate enough to go to session or whatever your own local bottle shop is uh, while we move on to the next beer, Mike, thank you, I guess, for being that crucial buffer. Um, and keeping and making my decisions easier uh, on what I pick to drink next.
1: There are a lot of layers to go through from breweries you can get in your state to breweries that are shipping stuff well to distributors to breweries that you decide to stock for X number of reasons and to the consumer. A lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of information, a lot of data, a lot of choices and decisions and stuff. that. Uh, but it's awesome to know your people like you're out there putting as much thought and energy into it to make sure that, yeah, we have that experience. It's, it's real important. And I think it does go under noticed to keep this train a rolling with this talk about, talk about special, this, this beer, we're going to.
0: Here's this crazy stout you've never heard of. Right. To Man. quote John. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mike doing Mike. But before we get there. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, one thing that you may be, Uh, dying to know is how do I show off my support and love of untapped how John one of the coolest ways to do it is with a really cool uh hat
1: oh yeah
0: uh, it's got untapped logo on it you can do it with glassware what I'm really pushing for is that we get socks because that's something that everybody needs right you can ask my mom right you can ask Harrison's mom. Yep. You can ask Mike's mom. Sure. She's going to tell you where some socks. Not enough socks. Um, no, the real point of this is to let you guys and girls know that if you're listening and you do buy cool things, you can go to store.untapped.com. Um, it's the untapped store. It's prettier than it used to be. There's right. some really nice photos yep. on there. You have some hoodies Honestly, in. The hoodies are in now, John. The hoodies are back. Hoodies are, hoodies are back in stock. Not really useful here in North Carolina <laughs> yet this yeah. year, um, but for your family and friends home in Buffalo, New York, or <sighs> Brisbane, or sure. split Croatia. Right. Where it's probably maybe? always uh, it's a good time to have a hoodie. Anyways um store.untap.com when you find something that you like use the coupon code podcast yes at your checkout that's going to give you 20 percent off oh um that's on mike he didn't know no i'm just what uh, what was that <laughs> that's coupon code podcast store.untap.com christmas shop early So coming back, we've got Mike, who's been the star of this bottle share, and he's going to introduce the star of this bottle share as it pours from the 750 ml bottle. Mike, why don't you let us know um, what you, what you've brought here <laughs> what, to end what you've done night. to us? <laughs> so we're
2: just going to end on this neat little beer called Black Tuesday. Um, this happens to be a 2015 vintage uh, from the brewery. Um, no big deal. Nineteen point nine percent. Keeping in mind the North Carolina cap is 15% for resale. So this was uh, – you guys did a segment on trading a couple weeks ago, right? Mm. And how it's fun when you do it in person, in person not across state, lines. across state lines. Right. So somebody right. else that I know right. traded for this. Wonderful. My brother's roommate. It's a right. really good beer. It's bourbon mm. barrel aged. Uh-huh. Um, available to their member society. Kind of caramelly, toasted malt, burnt wood, vanilla. Yeah. As John's pouring this out, it looks... Look at uh, that. I don't know if I've seen anything blacker. Right. It's pretty... Um, like Space
1: Without the Stars, to yes. quote Nigel Tufton. <laughs> oh, man. Look at that. In 2015 as well. So we'll see how it held up. I. Man, uh, it sounded great when you opened it. It was certainly carved up. It looks... Yeah. Which is the first thing I listened to when you're talking about... When you're talking about aging stuff at home, and you if you open the beer and no CO two escapes, that's usually red flag number one if something has gone awry somewhere.
0: It, it just keeps coming out John. of the bottle. <laughs> let's start there. Let's there's just start not there. enough
1: people at this bottle let's, share. Let's just start there. We're just gonna have a pint of a twenty
0: percent uh, beer. I mean, you, there's no sense saving it. It won't go. <laughs> it won't go in a Ziploc. This
1: will never evaporate. Right.
0: There we go. That is 750 mils divided by three. That's way
1: too much. Oh, but we're going to do it. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, cheers to you on this.
0: Cheers, gentlemen. Uh, Cheers, and and thanks for the share, Mike, and thanks for showing up. I'm still going to ask you questions. They're just going to get a lot easier to ask (laughs) and to answer. Exactly right. (laughs) Holy cow. this This smells like an old man's chair.
1: Ooh, all right. Learned
0: old man. Sure, wise. Leather bound books, some pipe smoke in here. Rich mahogany. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. All those good things. It smells like you could build a cabin out of this and live in it. Nothing Mm. bad happened to that beer. Whoa. Oh, man.
1: Man, look out. I don't. um, Is you got to be kidding me? That's still like got some heat tingles to it, and it's four plus years old.
2: On the untapped flavor descriptors is "oof" a word? Can I tag
0: it? We should probably add OOF because okay. I right. think that is the only real descriptor of this. <laughs> it tastes like warm love and underbaked brownies. Okay, yeah. Which is great. Which I'm is used the same to cold thing. love. The same. <laughs> right,
1: right. Cold love and hard brownies, old brownies.
0: Start, start wearing more socks. Coupon <laughs> <laughs> code podcast. <laughs>
1: right. We sell those socks in threes, so when you lose one as you inevitably Will, you still have a pair. I don't
0: know why no one's done that yet. <laughs> um, we're going to really have to get some socks in the store <laughs> first. Right. Yep. Yeah. Truth. Mike, this is Jeez. incredible. That's this beer is four years old in the bottle. Um, Man. It's mm. almost 20%. Um, Which is amazing. Harrison and I would never have done this alone. Never. Nor should you have. Right. True. Wow. True. There's... We're probably going to consume almost as much ABV in this pour of Black Tuesday. Well, I'd say more. More than we do in a typical podcast. Almost as much in the as we did in the five beers of Oktoberfest. For sure. That's correct. And faster. And this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the goal. I don't, I don't have a taste descriptor for this beer oof, just yet other know. than I think. And oof, I think it's surprised how it's it's not like um it's
1: there's some you get that boozy warmth right away. Nothing about this is like telling. There's no like, it's all very blended together, but nothing tells, nothing is old. Nothing is like, tastes like it's old or like it out hasn't of flavor. mellowed or like into
0: that smooth, yeah. tell aged.
1: Me, where has this been since you acquired it? Like, where have you, where do you, where'd you store it? Where, where was it? Well, to be honest, in several, um,
2: either house or apartment closets. Yeah, sure. Uh, Just really away from light, away from heat.
1: That's it. Just constant temperature. Right. doesn't take much. You don't need like a fancy cave or whatever. Just same with my... It might have been the same boxes probably for like however long I've had them. Just move them from house to house and put them in a dark cabinet and then... Forget about them.
0: And put a couch in front of it. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's a listener. That's right. That's um, a good Elise drug there. The new form of inheritance <laughs> is your father's beer cellar. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, poor kids. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. No health insurance. Didn't have the money, but I got you all this beer.
0: Mike, this is amazing. Uh, I expect nothing less from you as the man who presented me with a Dark Lord variant up against a Bud Light Platinum. Uh, at a bo- at a bottle share that I'll never forget, but also never remember. You got to keep them guessing, John. That's so true. Ooh, Bob and we. Do you right. want the biggest punch in the face beer ever, or a different sort of, a punch different in of punch, like a punch in the face? I won't elaborate on boxes. which was which, but I think we did consume both. We did. <laughs> we did. Um, I, next, maybe if if we do this again, I'll I'll bring some of our uh, Bud Light honestly harris and i sometimes talk about doing a domestic taste test right that'd be fun Um, as heck but without going too far off track and before i drink too much of this beer um, probably the last maybe really serious question i had Mm. for you mike is and and please don't answer this in in sullen but something that i'm of the school that if you're not failing you're not trying Either that or that's what my high school coach told me. Sure. But um, Mike, <laughs> it, in terms of your business at Session, I know before that you were uh, a beer buyer uh, before kind of leading up to what I think I would assume catapulted you to say, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to do it better. But in in speaking just in terms of Session in the last couple of years, almost just over two What is one thing that you've noticed, like you've said, this is a failure, but um, honestly, that's my question. What is one thing that you failed at? But if I could elaborate, how did you then, you know, what did you learn from that and how did you turn it into success? Well, for the first six months, I tried to do my own accounting. Ooh. Ooh. But no,
2: really. um, (laughs) We kind of touched on it before how there's so much variety these days. When I started out, I just tried to get everything that came out and make everybody happy. If somebody right. walked in, they, they said, do you have X from Brewery Y? I'd say, yes. But eventually, that's how you get old beer on the shelf, and that's how you just clog up your supply lines and are unable to bring in the really cool stuff when it comes around. So off the bat, wanting to have every single new release was kind of a lesson, Um eventually you learn to pick and choose either through what's hot at the time or what your patrons enjoy that's one of the biggest lessons i've learned it doesn't matter what i like or you like it matters what the people with uh
0: the people who are in the seats what they like yeah that's honestly that's a i still see barley wines on your shelf i can tell that it's somewhat curated by you but that is i remember being in there and seeing a really large cider section Um, and you didn't strike me as a cider drinker, but that's of course, that's a huge extrapolation. Uh, But knowing that I guess it's more important what your patron wants to drink than what you think is cool. And that probably, as we were talking about before, I'd imagine that makes some of the research even more crucial because picking out the beers that you like and filling the shelf would be a little bit easier than like guessing at what I'm going to want when I come in there and what Harrison's going to want. And that's, I mean, that's a really important example, because to be truthful,
2: I don't care for cider one bit, but it's, it's important to have that for the set of the consumer base that does enjoy that and comes in there for that reason. And so, I mean, that, that goes with what I said about just making sure that, you know,
0: that, you know, what base you're actually serving and catering to that did i saw recently well it's not recent anymore but i guess everything is when you're as old as i am um (laughs) you'd started to uh sell wine wine by the glass um is that something that was that you tried to get ahead on or is that uh, i mean obviously i look at you as a beer market that's my cup of tea nope that's my cup of Pops, beer, yeah. my pint of, yeah. that's my pint yeah. of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, for, the, for adding uh, wine by the glass, is that something that was kind of necessitated by customers or was that something that necessitated by competition or is that something we shouldn't even talk about? Fully <laughs> necessitated by
2: customers. Um, I'll be the first to tell you that I don't really have a palate for wine. I enjoy a nice drier red wine every now and then, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but you'll get the groups that come in and say five of the drinkers want beer, but the sixth one wants wine. That sixth one can take away the entire group on any given night. So as long as you're, you've got to make the widest base happy that you can within reason. Right. Within reason. So it it was, I would say it was a reactionary move based on feedback that I'd gotten. That's a really good point though,
1: man.
0: That's true. It, I always, it, as as a chef in a previous life, I would always make the argument that maybe we don't want to serve a fish fry, but if we don't serve a fish fry, then that foretop isn't going to show right. up because my dad is only going to the place that has a fish fry. Right. Um, exactly. So we need it on the menu so that we can sell and everything else, all the other stuff. We have. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Not just what gets people in the door, what keep, what keeps people there longer once they're there. That is probably
0: an ongoing balancing act. Wow. Mike's not telling you he does have a Street Fighter arcade game in there as well. It's I mean, NBA Jam. Oh. Son of a gun. What year? There's the know? memory. I
2: think it's 1992. Yeah, okay. The original cabinet. Come <sighs> check it out. Shameless
1: yeah. plug. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I think that's is Muggsy Bows playing then? must have been Muggsy it Bows. It is the Muggsy Bows edition. Yep. Man, what a team. I was always that team. Larry Johnson. You're on fire. Yep. Boom shakalaka. Golly, that's a whole other. (laughs) Oh, man. I didn't didn't know that. That's a, a, yeah, I love that. That's a really cool. Well, now that we're talking about things that that aren't beer, we have some fun kind of powder puffy questions. Do you have a favorite word, Mike? I love this question.
2: Oh, you told me I couldn't say that on the air. Right. Second favorite word. Ah. um, (laughs) It's boring, but I've been told by other people that my favorite word is Sure. I will to say sure to answer any question. Right. Over and over. When I'm fair. nervous,
0: just sure,
1: sure, 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 sure. That's nice. Yeah. I do that with fair. Fair. Ah. Sure. A fair. Sure. I'm doing really sure now. I'm hyper aware of every time I say sure. It's fair. a thing. I think I say pumped a lot. I make a lot of noises, I've been told, like uh, unknown to me. If someone's talking in a room and they're going, well, we're going to do this and this, I'm the guy in the back going, oh, yeah, good, good, good. To no one. Oh, I thought <laughs> like you meant
2: like grunting. That's way better.
1: Right. Sometimes that, sometimes a quieter. But it, When I'm talking quieter, it just sounds like grunting. Sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> turn sort of a pillow.
1: <laughs> That's right, yeah. Kind of one of those falls out or once in a while. Is that Sierra Nevada right, or sir, an right. onomatopoeia? Right. Are you trying to order something? Or do we need to call a, like an ambulance. What are you doing?
0: Is this a yeah. bar? Is this a bare naked lady song? Or- <laughs> 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 They're coming back. Oh, man. Uh, so "sure" is the favorite word. Fine, Mike, you're prompting a more difficult question. Sure. Um, <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> it's like um, a nice
1: drinking game.
0: This question comes from uh, the Untapped Facebook group. Oh, yes, that's right. So the question, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, mm-hmm. um, but the question here is, so sometimes you have – if, if, if I'm a, if I'm a brewery in the Pacific Northwest and I want to get on Mike's beer shelf on Central East Coast United States, or even farther, maybe I'm a Omnipolo in Sweden or a brewery that's trying to gain distribution from Australia. How, Mike, how do you see there being a, a big shortcoming sometimes in the distribution? I mean, maybe if we just zoom in a little bit closer to you getting beer from Virginia um, and maybe it sits on a distributor's truck and you know it's going to be on the truck for a week and you know it's going to sit in a warehouse for a week and you know it's going to be another two weeks before it gets onto your shelf. Do you see that being... Um, I guess, detrimental to a particular brewery or to, I mean, to the quality of the beer that you're able to get when you have to buy from a distributor, if it's being held there for too long?
2: So that's a really good point. Um, And it's something that does get taken into account uh, to the effect that there are some breweries, unfortunately, that I've had to stop buying because it just doesn't get to me in the amount of time that I'm comfortable having to get it to the consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll just come in with about a month on it. And depending Mm -hmm. on what kind of style it is, that's fine. But with the fresher styles, your New England Hazy IPAs, your Session IPAs, that makes it more difficult Mm -hmm. to get to the end user in a time that's still enjoyable. Uh, That being said, those breweries, I will still buy things like stouts and sours from all the time, because those are usually more shelf stable. They'll hold up for longer. Sometimes they'll get better black Tuesday. right? Um, (laughs) Right. But, and to that effect too, I've always tried to concentrate on local whenever I can. Almost everything I have in the shop is from North Carolina. um, Mm -hmm. And just kind of working outwardly from that. So I think in that way, having focused on that, that prevents the, short-dated beers from being an issue because when you're getting it, especially just as local as in town, you're getting it the next day. If it's a week out, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a great Uh, point. And that just makes it much, much easier. And that's what people
1: want these days anyway, so win-win. That is the power of local coming back again. If you have a beer that was canned yesterday and something that was canned two months ago and you can look at that on the bottle or the can or whatever as a consumer if you see that, that's for me, that's like the deciding factor. Almost every time if I have two beers in my hand and I'm like, they're similar styles. When I'm getting tonight, when were they canned or, or bottled? And I go for that one that's a little bit fresher. I'm guilty of that.
0: I think date has become a more important ingredient than almost anything. Mm based on the style you know if it's if it's a stout i'd love it if it's two years old and you sell it it right of course um but if if the most popular style is a a hazy new england ipa i'd rather take uh, a fresh local over a a two-month-old heady topper Mm -hmm. all day every day Mm -hmm. Um, and i think it's we live in i mean yes i'm aware that in north dakota it's going to be just as hard to find a fresh New England IPA. Although I think we're yeah, getting, I think we're sure. getting better in North Dakota. Yeah. Um, really. but is that something that you could is, is time in the can? Is it easier? Is it easier on your end, Mike overall to, to introduce someone to a fresh local IPA versus someone, you know, is it, oh I, I just learned about craft beer Hedy Topper, Pliny the Elder, do you have these two beers? Um, you know, Would it be, would it be easier? Would you, do you think, maybe I'm just making this up and the Black Tuesday is speaking, <laughs> but I th- would it be easier to sell them a fresh New England IPA that they've never heard of versus an old New England IPA that's, that's, you know, that's kind of earned the billboard status, if you will?
2: I think, without meaning any kind of disrespect, it really depends on the consumer, because right. there are some people that are just looking for what they're looking for. No, no matter what you recommend or what mm. input you might have, you've got the guy that just needs to try heady topper. Right. That's fair. I was him once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we all were. Yeah, we all were. Sure. Um, so to that effect, I mean, I think that there's a certain subset of the population. When I was first starting drinking, and I didn't know what heady topper was, and I just learned, I would drink a year old heady topper. Sure. Right. I think I've done that as well. Me too, yeah. sure.
1: I've been like, well, this is amazing. So, right, sure.
2: I know that's a cop-out, but I mean, I think it
0: really just depends on where you're at in your craft beer journey. Yeah,
1: that's a great point. And yeah, that's a great point.
0: Here's a, here's a random question that I think is a little bit easier, um, but also might allow our uh, listeners to get to know Mike a little better because I judge everybody on this. So we're drinking these beers together and – there's there's a certain point that every craft beer drinker has where they go from kind of taking apart a beer by the chemicals and the flavors to man, I really need a deep fried taco shell with cheese sauce. Mm. So Mike, my, my question mm. here is, you know, after a bottle share um or a night of of maybe sessioning for the shop um as a as a tax write-off. For you, after you've imbibed enough to say, I'm making an impulse food decision and I need it to be quick and easy, Where's what's your go-to food order? So it's probably French fries, More. which seems simple, but
2: let me explain. Please, So please please. you've got the uh, carbiness of the potatoes, yep. carbiness being a scientific word, yep. uh, that lets you hmm. – just kind of counteract the alcohol because that's possible. Sure. And soak that up. And then you've got the oil that the potatoes are soaked in, which yep. accomplishes making you feel like garbage. Yeah. So yes. Uh,
1: I hope that answers the question. <laughs> right. I, I know it makes me feel better. And right. by better, I mean awful. Right. That is the, seems to always be the goal, though, of just getting closer and closer to garbage as you get
0: throughout just the night. Just chasing that. Oh, chasing please, garbage. Something soak this up. Right. <laughs> um, to elaborate on that, French fries is a great answer, and I yeah. think most places would agree. French fries are very commonly sold. Um, do you just simply get potatoes chopped and fried? Are you a condiment man? Do you put crimpled sausage and jalapenos on yours? What's your do you? Do you fancy your French fries? I'm going to break the podcast
2: right now, and I apologize in advance. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm a malt vinegar kind of guy. All right. (laughs) Thank
1: God. Wonderful. Classic. That went better than I thought it would. Okay. No, the chips. So they're chips. They're not French fries. They're chips in your eyes with the malt vinegar on them.
0: Malt vinegar and French fries is a beautiful thing. If you haven't tried it before, if you're listening to this and and your eyes are contorting and your lips are making that curious purse as they do... (laughs) get some french fries put some malt vinegar on them and email mike to thank him don't email him but i'll link his his store's bio in the notes (laughs) yeah
1: or yeah that's like classic fish and chips chips meaning french fries with some malt vinegar that's like oh man that might be one of my favorite kind of i don't do it often enough but i'm gonna try and incept myself into my brain and Maybe <laughs> maybe in fifteen minutes, actually, just go and get some fish and chips after this Black Tuesday does keeps dancing magic in my head. Now I'm just thinking about French fries and malt vinegar,
0: and for me that goes right to some some fried halibut. Is that, is that a – I know it is – I'm, again, from Buffalo, New York. <laughs> um, just wanted to make sure everyone knew. Um, in Buffalo, malt vinegar and French fries is pretty common. We're really close to the Canadian border, oh, oh, so poutine is oh, very sure. common yeah. as well, yeah. which is French fries and uh, air quotes gravy. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a malt vinegar kid. Soak okay, it. I want you to f- take my French fries the out seat. of the fryer right. Then dunk them in malt vinegar. Then give me malt vinegar for splashing and a little bit of ketchup for dunking. That's perfect. <laughs> that sounds
1: great. Um, is that a, a are it's
0: you? Impressive. Is that a British? Oh yeah, that's straight up.
1: Like that's the classic kind of. Sure, some tartar sauce if you want, but malt vinegar on the chips is like yeah, that's that's the go to. So so where I'm from,
2: which is Maryland, there's an Ocean City. There's a, a pretty famous French fry place and. It would just be served in a bucket. There was no, let's call it protein or anything like that, just French fries in a bucket. And if you didn't use half the bottle of vinegar,
1: it it was, where are you from? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I guess that's interesting. Malt vinegar making the rounds, as it should. And I wonder if that has something to do with the pH in your body, craving the vinegarness after you've just... Toronto. That's too much science. doesn't matter. There's,
0: I, I would easily argue there can be comparisons drawn from a good vinegar to the, the souring yeasts that we put into some of my favorite beers. Mm. Every, everything has a mother. That should be a vinegar T-shirt.
1: Right, sure, um, that'd be a
0: good for the vinegar crowd, yeah. there's The vinegar crowd doesn't <laughs> exist, but I, I want to ask yeah. Mike, and I know that no one can answer this, but is, 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 does craft beer have regional origins as much as your French fry toppings do? Um, this is the Black Tuesday talking and me hungering for French fries, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we like the New England IPA is a style as much as the West Coast IPA is a style. And while they may have regional foundings, I would argue that some of the best New England IPAs I've had haven't been from New England. So the regional bounds of beers and where they come from, m- maybe there's stories to be told, but do, I guess... East Coast French fries are different than Canadian French fries or different <laughs> than West Coast French fries. Do you, Mike, <laughs> as a as a, as a random question, as a guy that's drank over 4,000 unique beers on untapped, do you notice any specific regional tendencies in beer when you have a, a British hazy IPA versus a West Coast versus a New England hazy IPA? Do you notice your palate leaning towards... A certain favorite. Oh, if I'm drinking a lager, I'd prefer it be German. Like, do you notice your palate leaning towards a specific regional favorite? So, I mean,
2: I, I know the easiest answer is, as we were discussing earlier, the difference between English and American barley wines, because there's there's a huge difference there, being the prevalence of hops. But as far as a fairly ubiquitous style being brewed in just a different region of the United States? I couldn't say so. I I don't know if it's exactly what you're asking, but I was in Houston, Texas in March, and it was difficult to find a New England style IPA. Mm. So I guess just different regions take different specialties. Um, Most of what I found down there Or not most of what I found down there, but I found down there more things that were amber and darker than I generally find here. A lot of ambers, browns, porters, stouts, even barley wines. Um, I think the region influences what you'll brew and what you'll sell, but I don't know if I actually answered your question. That's good, though. I think you did. Sure. I think I did, too. I like it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if you're listening to this sober, you might not think he did. Right? <laughs> you're wrong. But <laughs> Mike, Mike answered the question that I remember asking. Yeah, <laughs> that is good enough for me. Exactly. Don't don't keep score at home. Oh
1: man, that's wonderful. This is this is back to the beer for a moment. This is warming up quite nicely. It's really like a chocolate cake now. It's covered in booze. <laughs> <laughs> that's the description on the bottle <laughs> have you ever drank hershey syrup out of the bottle right Ooh, a little bit like that right fresh off the line you mean like fresh hershey syrup probably a little hot too
0: mm. Ooh, as it's as it's warmed up and i come back to this i forget that we're talking about this beer that's slowly putting me to sleep <laughs> um <laughs> Warm chocolate syrup is an accurate description. There's almost a honey note
1: jumping through here, like with the bourbon, honey happening. Woo,
0: Aged in nondescript bourbon barrels. And I got to say, as a bourbon drinker, most of the time when you tell me what barrels you've aged it in, that just influences me to make a buy because I'm familiar with that bourbon. But it's really hard for me to discern Probably Buffalo Right off the line, Buffalo Trace versus Four Roses, um, much less a stout aged in those barrels. In my experience, a lot of the better bourbon barrel-aged
2: stouts I've had came from either nondescript or, quote, proprietary, end quote, barrels. Yeah. Uh, There's several distilleries that have been credited on the bottles that I thought were great, but I mean – this Black Tuesday doesn't say anywhere on
1: it what kind of mm-hmm. barrels it's in, and this is yeah delicious. What from what I, my experience though, almost ninety percent of the barrels we got for our bourbon barrel aged beers were from Buffalo Trace, and that was like the case from. And they're a huge distiller, a huge True. bourbon and whiskey, um, you know, distillery. So it makes makes sense, or you know, we're getting specific with it. Um, but you know, because they do more, they rise, John. Uh, but they, uh, you know, so we had a couple of their rise. Anyway, most of it's Buffalo Trace from what I've seen a lot of the breweries because they just have so much, so many empty barrels. And we would fill them and use them a couple of times and send it back to Buffalo Trace and they'd put bourbon back in them.
0: That would be a bourbon aged in a stout oh, yeah. barrel that was previously a bourbon mm-hmm. barrel. Syntax doesn't I compute know. there. But, yeah, but
1: that's like the cask mates thing that Jameson's doing now. Yep. Which is very cool. But this, they would like take the barrels back, and I think they'd recharge
0: them and just start from scratch because they want to make whiskey and not. There's a Pacific Northwest brewery. Um, they make a stout called Eclipse. Mm-hmm. And fifty 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 fifty. 50 50. Yeah. They will uh, produce, and I'm sure others do this as well, but this is what comes to mind, and they have varying a rainbow of different waxes that they'll yes. dip the bottle in. And the wax color and the year will let you know this is a Pappy Van Winkle versus a, uh, I can't think of any. other Elijah know, Craig. So thank you. <laughs> Woodford. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah um and some of them are even more uh i think adjunct focus maybe there's some of them that'll just be straight uh, pure coffee um but uh, that would be something i'll i i do not think i'll ever be afforded the opportunity to drink mm. thre- drink three different uh variants of that all at one time but um maybe that would be a good place to start uh yeah, to kind of taste them side by side, tasting the difference between an Elijah Craig and a Woodford the same Stout, base, same base, same beer. base stout. Mm. Um, that would be really cool to do. So, um, for those of you that asked for an interview, hopefully, uh, this is this has been fun. For those of you that didn't, hopefully, this has been fun. <laughs> um, for those of you that follow the drinking socially or untapped on social media. Um, one thing I wanted to really, really honestly be thankful for are the pictures and the shares of your own Oktoberfest beers and, and, and shares. Hopefully they were shares um, <laughs> of your own Oktoberfest drinks. Um, after the last podcast, um, I can attest that um, my own lovely, amazing wife, Uh, Came running up to me last weekend and was just like, "Ah, look at this picture! It's really cool um, to see uh, what you guys think about some of the beers we reviewed or didn't even get to review." So thanks for sharing those. Love it. And I know Harrison's actually an honest, uh, honestly really excited about the pumpkin episode that's coming up. Um, This is a man that's drinking pumpkin coffee and it's 92 degrees out. (laughs) Pounding it. He doesn't sleep and he loves pumpkin. Um, So Harrison, I think, um, is... we are looking for yeah. uh, the one for sure. choice sure. of uh, pumpkin beer. It looks like it's going to be Southern Tears Pumpkin. Right, but
1: get on our social media. We had a post about it the other week if you can find that. Or just jump on the group and talk to us about pumpkin beers there. And uh, Yeah, let us know if you think we should try something else or get excited about something else. Maybe we'll put a poll up if we have a couple hot runners this week and see what uh, what that does for us. Who knows? Hot, hot, hot run and poll. Hot run and i gonna have to figure out how to do a Facebook poll.
0: <laughs> well, that's fine. Well, we'll ask Alexa. Um, while he's on the show, <laughs> and who, a person oh, that yeah. I look to as like my, uh, a beer expert, the Mike, I will credit you with not introducing me, but cementing my love of craft beer and not just the taste or the uh, you know, like craft beer is really cool. But, like I, I think every the the unique kind of circle of friends that you will build through a love of a bourbon barrel aged four year old stout in a bottle, Mike, you're kind of my craft beer mentor, and I don't know lo- your love of pumpkin ale, but is there a particular pumpkin beer that yeah, you what, yeah. would recommend? Or what's moving now? Is anything?
1: Is anything in this ninety five degree heat? Is anything? jumping off the shelves ooh! Two highlights the okay. uh the king you, you guys sure. can see where i'm going with this
2: yeah Yep. yep. yeah southern yeah. tier sure. pumpkin got always it. does very well got it um a little higher abv i think 8.6 if i'm right i Some think you your, are
0: dead on right your Good imperial job.
2: pumpkin ale people like that one uh more easy going the shipyard mm-hmm. pumpkin head always yep. Yep. is a, a crowd favorite um, my personal favorite pumpkin beer, not to disparage anybody, it's a special recipe. And you you take, it's actually a blend. You take five or six different pumpkin beers and you mix them all in the same vessel. A dumpster usually works. And you can see where I'm going with this. <laughs> I don't enjoy pumpkin beer.
1: <laughs> right. Just leave it outside for the birds.
2: You might have to cut that part of the segment. M- Mike's coming back
0: for the pumpkin. Bu- no. <laughs> Surprise. Pumpkin beers are polarizing. Um, they're they're a force to be reckoned with, bigger than any seasonal Certainly. No one is no one is going to be clamoring to get you loaded up with spring pale ales. Right. So but pumpkin the way, beers themselves have become a style, a guideline, a force. Yeah. And almost every respectable brewery, I won't say respectable, I will say almost every brewery is producing their own variant of a pumpkin beer. Right. Um, we're looking for the weird, but also I think you're right, Mike. I think Southern Tier pumpkin King mm-hmm. kind of has, uh, has, has the, the right now has the reins or right. the, the, the crown. crown, if you will. I will. You should. Aptly named mm-hmm. um, in the pumpkin category. What we're going to do on the next episode, Harrison and I are going to drink um, to, uh, one of uh, our own favorite pumpkin beer and one from the user's choice. If you're following Untapped on social media, um, the most suggested pumpkin beer from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I think those are the big ones. Um, yeah, the most subge- suggested pumpkin beer, including Mike's recommendation of just mixing them together. We'll That's the what end. I'll be drinking. At the the cuvee, if you will. It, ooh, fancy. A field blend. <laughs> you could sell yeah. that, right? <laughs> or a table blend,
1: in our yeah. case. <laughs> <laughs> right here, right, live. <laughs> Excellent, child. I think that about does it for another successful week of
0: drinking. Socially.
1: Yeah, exactly. Hmm, wonderful.
0: Mike, again, you have my thanks and the thanks of hopefully thousands of listeners. Um, Again, Mike is the owner and beer buyer and stout recommender at Session Beer Market in Wilmington, North Carolina, a longtime friend of mine. And honestly, uh, if you have any questions about beer outside of Pumpkin, Um, Mike's usually pretty good at finding an answer or if you're in eastern Carolina Mike can easily tell you if it's even possible to get that beer because he's likely already been asked yep cool so thanks for joining us on the show tonight Mike thanks for listening Um, drinking socially crew listeners we don't have a we don't have a Bill's Mafia yet but uh, but we'll get there Um, thanks for listening tonight with us um. And we'll see you in two weeks. Until then, this has been John, and Harrison, and Mike. Cheers. Das bedanke. <laughs> <laughs>